Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Inspiration Space. This morning, I'm releasing an episode that I did with John Bram, a guy that I was put in touch with by Scott Coe, somebody who'd been on the podcast before. John is an ex-professional triathlete for GB and England. Really fascinating guy. He's done a lot in the world of philanthropy and he's done a lot in the world of business. And it was just such a joy to speak to him because we spoke a lot about how being an active person, the identity it gives you, and it teaches you so much about life, about the pitfalls, the peaks and troughs, and his his attitude towards everything was a, was a real breath of fresh air. We are both uh, business owners, and going through COVID-19 has been an extremely challenging period, and it was just really fascinating to hear someone who's got such a wealth of knowledge and experience, um, how they're dealing with it. Classic. My WhatsApp going off again in an intro. <laughs> wouldn't be the same without it uh, but it was just fascinating to speak to him uh, it was really really was and I enjoyed every moment there's a lot that you'll be able to learn from this guys so get stuck in his enthusiasm uh, and passion for, for what he's done and, and, and the work he does as a coach is, is awesome so yeah guys you'll get a lot out of this uh, he is finishing up his epic challenge which we'll tell you all about in the episode guys I'll leave the donation link in the show notes head over be a good person and donate to this amazing cause that he is working for guys enjoy and i will speak to you soon john thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule uh really do appreciate you coming on uh we was put in touch with you by scott coey uh who's a great guy came on the show a long time ago and i've been doing a bit of stuff with him on active place so yeah just want to say thanks so much and uh, i think probably best place to start would be just maybe introducing yourself to the listener base uh, giving you giving us all a bit of background on you and and kind of how you your sort of career started and sort of your your identity as an athlete let's say um how that sort of came to fruition so yeah maybe that's the starting point for now okay well uh I, my name's john brain and uh i mean a lot of people i suppose would know of me potentially through my coaching company which is no longer due to COVID, but it was called RG Active and uh, it existed for sort of a good 10 or 15 years. So I've I've helped a lot of people over the time. But prior to that, I was uh, loosely speaking a professional triathlete. I was the very early days of the lottery funded athletes and the GB junior program and uh, went through that process and enjoyed sort of quite a good time through through that. Uh, During that period of time, there was lots of... uh, sort of unknowns, I suppose, with regards to coaching junior athletes in, in, at that level in, in that sport. And like a lot of us, I was injured and had numerous injury problems at sort of 16, 17 years old. So I moved to cycling, where I moved to Italy. And I explored a pro cycling career for a couple of years, which was amazing. Uh, but I was always very much a realist. So I was never going to be the next Lance Armstrong. And some would argue who wants to be Lance Armstrong now, but it's, uh, I, I, was, I was a good cyclist, but I was never going to set the world on fire. And, and I got to that point where I thought, well, I, now I need to start making a career for myself. I need to, to come back home and uh, kind of accept the realisation of that. So I started coaching. Uh, I, I did some work in retail as well, triathlon, fell back into the triathlon space, and I've been there ever since, really. Triathlon's been... Uh, has kind of mapped the whole path for my existence over the last sort of 25 plus years in different mm. ways, but always kind of coming back to the swimming, cycling and running and the core sports that, that have dictated so much of what I've done. Sure. I mean, I, I came across you at your website, obviously when Scott put us in touch and I mean, there's a lot going on. I mean, all the three big areas it seems really going on is obviously your, your, your philanthropy, you know, business and, and this sort of, you know, obviously active lifestyle coming through the, the sort of triathlete days. Um, I think. Uh, I think it's. I think it's amazing for me. Uh, I mean, what I love about doing this show is kind of understanding people and and where their sort of drive comes from. I think I find that really interesting. Where you've obviously someone that's got a huge hunger for for life and somebody really wants to live, you know, their life to the fullest, especially in these three areas. Where where do you think that sort of comes from? Has that always been innate in you or do you or do you think that that has grown with time and all of your life experiences? I think I, I've always been sporty. Sports yeah. always been kind of a, a key driver for me, but as a youngster I was I was uh What's the right way of putting it? 
I was just scared of everything all the time. I had no mm -hmm. confidence as a youngster at all. And I think I felt like I missed out on a lot of opportunities. I was, a, I was quite a good swimmer, but was scared of the competition and, and didn't pursue that as much as I would have liked. And I was a good runner at school, but again, never pursued that as much as I would have liked. And I always had this kind of, I suppose, regret. So it was when I was about 15, 16 years old, I started watching the Tour de France on TV, fascinated by it, mm. uh, started riding a bike and, and just fell in love with that. And all of a sudden, I seem to be quite good at it. I've been fortunate that the sports that I've tried I've, I've, have come quite naturally to me. And I thought, well, this is a new opportunity for me to give this a go. I've got a little bit more self-confidence now. Uh, I'm not willing to have any more regret. And it was quite a big decision as a 15, 16 year old to do that, but I needed to give it a go. I had supportive parents, so they presented this opportunity to finish my sixth form and then give full-time triathlon a go, which I did and I embraced. And uh, I've never let that hunger slip, I suppose. I've, I've always had that drive to not miss another opportunity again because I don't want any regret. So, so it sounds like almost you know that your fitness journey it was like it was like a vehicle for you in those early days that it reinforced confidence and maybe which rolled over into other parts of your life is, is that fair to say yeah definitely sport sport's been uh, sport for me is and one of the reasons that i went into coaching is sports one of the few things that breaks down all barriers doesn't it Beautiful, i think the yeah, thing that i totally loved good. about sport was I could go training with a running group or a cycling group and I'd always be the youngest at that, at that point in my life at 15, 16. But when you're training, whether it be running, swimming, cycling, whatever I was doing at the time, I was looked at as John, the athlete, not John, the youngster or, and, I, and you didn't look at the house people live in the car, they drive the job or the status that they've got. Everyone was equal for that hour that you're with them or those two hours. And I loved that because it's a different kind of camaraderie. And you respect one another for their ability as an athlete and their, their drive and their, their hunger to be better as an athlete. And it takes away all of the other things that people normally judge one another for. And yeah. that, that's always stuck with me. And it's, it's, uh, so it's so, it's so powerful. Yeah. You're so right. I mean, it, Zach is saying when I look at the, on the gym floor, like we've got, so I know 45, I don't know if you know, but, but it's a very community based sort of um, yeah. group training style concept. And you have, you have a whole variation of people on the training floor. You know, some are CEOs, some are, you know, 21 year olds that are just starting out in their career. But for that 45 minutes, like you just said, everybody's equal and, and none of that stuff really matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it's amazing. And you can take that into so many different things outside of, if, if you see it firsthand as a, as a sports person, as an active person. So, mm. Yeah, and I, I, I really loved that and I embraced that. And uh, I, I've, sure. I've made, I think I've made the most of it. I'm trying to make the most of it going forward. <laughs> Certainly are. I mean, so, so yeah, active. Like, so you obviously, like, we touched on philanthropy and I think, I think that was, it, that's, a, that's a really common theme of what this podcast is all about. I think this podcast was really born off, off three things. I think the love of an active lifestyle, uh, philanthropy through, you know, the, the one thing that I've done, which was a, big stimulus and catalyst for a lot of great things going on in my life and, and also the business um the business world um and those are three things that you know you're that would you say they're they're a huge part of who you are as an individual yeah work for me uh, i took the same approach to work that i did in my training Love so it's it like full-on 100 percent focus um uh, lived and breathed it and up until this covid pandemic came along then uh, that's <laughs> what I'd done and I've had a lot of time to reflect over the last three or four months since losing the business but uh, and my life balance was out of whack because I went maybe too full-on and forgot sometimes that I've got another half and I've got a family and I need to have a life outside of work but it's uh, the philanthropy the charity element to me came in later on uh, I've always, it's always been something that I've liked doing. We've always had coaching relationships with charities and things that have been important to me, but I always found the charity thing really difficult because there was always 
as a, as a kind of an ex-athlete and someone that is active and people look up to you as someone that's being fit and someone that you, they can potentially aspire to, when you go and do something for charity, my, my thought process was it has to be quite special. It has to be something really difficult or really different for people to want to sponsor you. Otherwise, mm. it's just going to be, well, he can do it. So why am I going to sponsor him? It's not that impressive. Uh, so the charity thing came in later, but yeah, sport work and charity have been the three driving things for me over the last five or six years. Very, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems, I mean, and, and before we kind of get on, on your, on your sort of challenge that you're in the middle of, which, uh, <laughs> which really, when I've read about it, it's really, really blown me away. When was the real starting point where it kind of, it really took it on a life of its own? Like you said, you've always kind of been inter- interested in it, but you know, what was the point where you kind of took it up a notch and, and you know, it became such a, he- a hefty part of, of the fabric of, of yourself as a person? Uh, there's two, two key things that, that stand out. So in 2016, I'd been competing as kind of an amateur triathlete and still focusing on the performance element of training. And I just thought, I just fancied a break. So I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll think about something that I can do to raise money for charity. But if I'm going to do it, I don't know if I'll do it again. I wanted it to be a big thing. So I came up with this idea to try and set a new world record in competing as many sprint triathlons as I could in a 12 hour window. What's a sprint triathlon just for just 750 meter swim, 20 K bike, five K run. Wow. Okay. So (laughs) I came up with that. So that was my initial kind of concept. And I thought, well, that could be bigger and better. So what can I add to that? So I added uh, a swim session that was a hundred by a hundred meters. So 100 times 100 meters, so a 10k swim session. Uh, mm. I then added a 200k or 200 times 100 swim session, so a 20k swim session. Uh, and I added a 12 hour brick session, which was two laps of Richmond Park followed by a 5k run that I repeated for 12 hours. Wow. And I did all of them in training for this world record attempt. So I did sort of four, four challenges over a six month period. And the whole idea was to raise money for blood cancer charity at the time which I had a working relationship with Mm. but I'd never had any reason to have a particular association with any one charity so I had a relationship with them and and it was a good fit I did my world record attempt at Blenheim uh, and Bloodwise were the title sponsor at the time of Blenheim Triathlon so it was good And, and I got I got some amazing TV coverage uh, on that when I did the, the world record attempt and I raised a, a big chunk of money at the time as well for the charity and it was I found it really rewarding mm. so so that that was good but there was never that having worked with lots of fundraisers there was never that like personal connection with the charity sure. and and I felt like I missed that and then in 2017 kind of the, the really big change for me in my life was uh, my younger brother was diagnosed with uh, cancer of unknown primary and he was given a terminal diagnosis and that completely changed my life in, in every way. Uh, it changed the way I look at everything from work, family, sport and we lost my brother in 2017 in the October and I vowed at that point that charity was going to be something that I'd do much more of. And I'd do everything that I did going forward in his memory. Mm. So that was kind of where everything started from, from that point on. And uh, I've not got any one allegiance to a particular charity, a particular cancer charity, because we never knew what cancer he had. So it just gives me the opportunity to raise as much money as I can and, and share it across as many charities as I can going forward. So powerful. So powerful that. I mean, so over the last three to four years, um, hold on, where are we? 2020, yeah, three years. I mean, you've obviously you've taken on several challenges in, in that period, obviously, as well as the, the one that we'll, we'll probably talk about, we're going to talk about today, this, this, this challenge that you're on at the moment. Yeah. Um, What's your journey been like in regards to, you know, since that, that occurred in 2017? Uh, it's, been, it's been difficult. Uh, mm. I didn't really deal with the loss of my brother straight away. 
I threw myself straight back into work as a focus. Mm. And mm. Uh, if I'm honest, life kind of carried on. I set up, a, or I'm still trying actually, the, uh, to set up a foundation in Paul's memory so that I've got a, a single place that I can raise money. Um, mm. I was fortunate enough to raise a, a chunk of money that enabled me to donate £15,000 to a local hospice where my brother and I grew up, which is one of the hospices that helped him when he was unwell. And that, that, that was really nice. And we got some good press and I got his picture back in the paper again. And so it's really been a case of everything I do is trying to get my brother's name out there so that it's remembered. I think it's a, it's a personal therapy thing as much as anything else, but yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, it just changed the way I approach everything. And then the loss of the business due to COVID recently and having this huge reset button has taken that whole kind of personal learning, self-discovery. Uh, I've started counseling for the first time in my life. I've, I've done a lot of sort of personal discovery stuff over the last few months because mm. it's, I've had the opportunity to reset and this current challenge that I'm almost finishing uh, came off the back of that really. I, I, uh, I've started a new job now in the city. First time I've worked for someone for a long, long time, which is strange. Wow. Big change. Um, yeah, massive. And uh, I thought before I start work, what, what can I do? I've got this time on my hand. I've, I've, uh, I, I want to do something to help someone. So uh, that's where this, this new charity so challenge it, came break, about. Break it down for us. Break it down for us. <laughs> So, what, where, where, where did the, where did the uh, inspiration, well, I mean, how did you come and, I mean, how, how did you formulate this, this one, this particular one? What, what was the inspiration behind that one? So it, it was, so I, I, over the last few years, I'd, I've, because of time, it's predominantly a time commitment, but I, I'd lost the love of riding my bike. And, and when mm. it was something I was so passionate about, the lockdown period gave me this opportunity to kind of reignite the love for my riding my bike again. So I'd started yeah. riding my bike over lockdown. The roads were dead quiet. It was amazing riding around London with like a ghost town. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Pancreatic Cancer is a charity that I'd done some work with over the past year or so, Pancreatic Cancer UK. So, oh, and they'd also been hit really hard by the pandemic because this year they were the official charity partner to Ride 100. So when the Ride 100 event got cancelled, yeah. they lost the opportunity to raise a bucket load of money. So I thought, well, how, how can I help them? What can I do to help them? So I looked at my diary. I looked at the calendar. I thought about some different ideas with regards to riding a bike. And uh, I thought, well, why not try and ride 100 kilometers or more every day? Mm. And I'll do that through the month of July. And I'll do it to raise as much money as I can, but also just to raise a bit of awareness for the charity and raise a bit of awareness for pancreatic cancer, which I think is a, a really big charity that uh, a really big cancer, sorry, that, that doesn't get enough attention. Hmm. And yeah, it, it, it was a hard enough challenge. It was something that involved a, a big commitment because it was every single day. And it was something as well with cycling being kind of real hot topic at the moment. They're really pushing cycling as a way to get him fit. And we're seeing so many more people ride a bike at the moment. It just fitted quite nicely. And it was also something that gave me an opportunity to hopefully inspire some other people to get out. And I allowed up to five people to join me on each one of the days each month, if they wanted to. So uh, it was, it was quite unique and it just enabled me to, to, help as many people as I could with, with kind of one challenge. So that, that was through the month of July. Yes. Uh, and you've, you've added something on to the end, which you're doing this weekend, right? Yes. <laughs> tell us what that, tell us what that is. <laughs> this, this, this weekend would have been the official ride one, uh, Prudential ride London weekend. Yeah. And uh, I thought, well, I might as well do that the hundred miles at least and that's how it started so I thought I'll do the hundred miles and what I haven't mentioned is during this lockdown period my other half Marsha has uh, gone through breast cancer surgery she was diagnosed last October 
and she was supposed to have reconstruction surgery and a mastectomy in April, which was cancelled because of the pandemic. And she ended up having her full surgery in June. So she's been desperate to get back on the bike and desperate to start training again. So we thought, well, she's eight weeks post-surgery now. She's way ahead of where she should be based on the doctors. So we're doing the 46 mile route together on the Saturday. Awesome. And which will be massive for her because by the time we've ridden to the Olympic park in the morning and then ridden home from the Mall, it will be about a hundred K for her, which is huge. Um, so, so close to surgery. So we're doing that on the Saturday and then on the Sunday I'm riding back to the Olympic park. I'm going to do the full hundred mile route and then ride home from the Mall. So this weekend should be a 300 plus kilometer weekend and I'll get both of the 46 and the 100 mile loops ticked off. That's epic. I mean, your body must be hurting. I mean, what, 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 in, those, in those moments when you are just, you know, you're feeling it, I mean, obviously the causes that you're riding for is, is what drives you through. Yeah, yeah, I've got a, uh, uh, a, a little disc that sits on top of my handlebar stem and it's got my brother's name on it. And whenever I'm feeling crappy, I, uh, I just look down at that. It's, uh, and it's a very powerful motivational tool for me. So it's... Uh... Yeah, that is... I mean, actually, I always remember Scott, when I spoke to Scott about his challenge, he always, he always told me about having different, what was it, different pockets of motivation, like different pools of motivation and things that you kind of pull on to just to drive you through. Yeah, so yeah. I'm sure that... that um, that's a, that disc is something that, that really drives you and takes you up a few notches uh, when, you, when you're out and you're really feeling it. Yeah. Um, I, um, it's funny, obviously you, you mentioned, uh, mentioned this sort of the business and the current situation with COVID-19. Um, and, I, and I find this really, really interesting in regard to people who have, you know, predominantly an active lifestyle and, and people who have really learned life lessons through the ups and downs of, of you know, hitting the canvas in regard to training capacity or, yeah. or a competitive capacity. They have this sort of like this mental resilience that they've, they've picked up over years of repetition of repetition of, of sort of get hitting the canvas, let's say, and it does roll over into, into other areas of their life. And I mean, I, I didn't know about what's going on with your business prior to this, this conversation, but I'm, I'm going through something relatively similar as well. You know, the gyms are, and I've actually just been writing a, a blog about it, about, you know, how, how you know we're, we're really struggling with our business at the moment being in a central location and no obviously no offices coming back to the area so you know the business is suffering but it's it's a mentality to sort of get up and bounce back from that that and i was trying to figure out you know where mine has sort of come from and i think it is like i said that that active lifestyle of years of kind of failing at a workout or you know coming second or, or whatever it may be that kind of makes you get up and teaches you to get up and go at it again. Do you think that your mentality to your current situation has come from having a, an active lifestyle and, and years of, of being in that sort of environment where you've had to, to sort of learn from failure? Yeah, it's as an athlete at any level, you're, you're driven by success, right? It's not a, about financial reward. So you've got, your measure is whether that's you competing against you or you competing against others. Mm. And when you're training regularly, and I'm talking kind of three or more times a week, there's no way you can keep up consistency for long, long periods of time. So you're always going to have crap sessions, bad sessions, days where you just feel like absolute toilet. And you have no choice but to pick yourself up after those sessions. So like you said, you're hitting the canvas you're you're in a constant kind of i suppose hamster wheel aren't you of highs and lows and it does it rolls over into the real world exactly no one ever has everything go exactly right for them all the time but there's so many people that that can't cope with the downs because they don't happen frequently enough whereas as an athlete as someone training you're constantly hit by negatives whether it be sore muscles whether it be a bad session crap times there's so many things that you can build. And, and I think British people, and I'm stereotyping massively here, but we inherently look for the negative 
first and the positive second, don't we? So uh, it's it's a very easy thing for us to pull on the negative and for that to drag you down. But you, you can't do that as an athlete because you might have a session, one session, a bad session one day, but you're doing the same thing again tomorrow. So suck, suck it up, get on with it. Uh, you can analyse the negatives and try and find the reasons why, but you, you can't let it drag you down. And, and uh, I think being an athlete teaches you that very quickly and totally. it makes you very, very resilient. And, and that's not a bad thing to have in, in the world that we live in now, is it? I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think that at all levels of, of anyone in their, in their athlete, let's say athletic career from, I mean, it's even harder, right? Sometimes when you're coming into it from a, a uh, from a grassroots level, say, say you're a 40 year old guy who's, who's never really picked up, any sort of fitness in his life or has never been a part of who he is. And he's first, he's set, he steps onto a bike for the first time and he's wearing cleats and falls off. And, you know, it, even those moments, you know, it, it's, it's so, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's such a, I know what the word I'm looking for, but you know what I'm trying to say It's those moments of, you know, failing at whatever level in this capacity, it, it can roll over in, into, into life and give you confidence and, and move you forward. And I know I see it all the time in the gym, you know, people who've never ever come or experienced anything like it. And it's all very new to them. And it's all very scary. But the second they kind of step into it and almost fail a couple of times, and then when they eventually achieve some form of success, it just means so much more. Yeah. Um, and and, I, and I, I find, I find that the more I talk about it, that the presence of having something, you know, an active identity in your life, the power of it is just the most incredible thing. Um, yeah. And it's something that I'm just extremely, extremely passionate about. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, a lot of the work that we've done over the last few years has been about using sport to promote health and wellness in a corporate space. Interesting. And, and you, there's probably the same sort of clients that you see. And probably, yeah. I think sport, sport and exercise can be really intimidating if you're coming at it later on in life. And whether it be a gym or whether it be a running club or a triathlon club or whatever, the assumption is that everyone within that club is super fit, super healthy, kind of living and breathing it. And that stereotype's not the case anymore. I mean, you've only got to look in Richmond Park in, in London. You go in there at any time of day now and you'll see everything from people riding a bike for the first time on a Boris bike or a Santander bike, whatever they're called, right through to the hardest core cyclist ever. And you've just got to ignore the two extremes and fit in wherever you fit in and concentrate on you. And most people and, and most people will never, ever be competitive to the point where they ever have to worry about the really hardcore elite guys. So just, just concentrate on you a little bit of kind of self-focus uh, and not worrying about what everyone else is, is important, but it's hard to do. I get that. And uh, the more accessible sports can be, and the more people there are that like you that want to inspire people to be fit for the first time, especially coming out of this pandemic, mm. I think is, uh, is, is really powerful. It's, it's, it's exciting times. It is. It is. I mean, in regards to the coaching that you did with, with corporate companies, where would you start in those, in those, uh, um, in those situations? I mean, how, how did you approach that dynamic? Uh, originally I saw the corporate world using sport, specifically triathlon and cycling as a way to uh, promote health and wellness. I, I saw companies bringing teams along to different events that I was attending and I started getting approached by, by companies that wanted to do some training for a particular event. And I saw the impact that it had to some of these people mm -hmm. and being part of a corporate team for some people was an easier way to sign up or think about doing an event and sports like triathlon offer a relay element to them where you can just do the swim, the bike or the run and be part of a team, which lessens the load for performance on an individual. And it's, it, it was just, it, it seemed like an obvious thing to, to explore. So I started exploring it about five or six years ago and, and just kind of watched it grow and watch it evolve. And it, it's still going now. And I think coming out of this pandemic period, I think it will be bigger again. I think there'll be more companies with, especially with remote workforces and people having kind of broken up teams where some are at home, some are in the opportunity to bring people together through. 
more important than ever. And the company that I've gone to work for is actually a a leadership consultancy business. So they do uh, kind of senior level executive training. But one of the reasons that, that I've got on board with them is because they see how health and wellness along with personal development and leadership can go hand in hand and how sport can be used and exercise can be used as a way to team build and to inspire and to promote a healthy way of life and people being more active. Uh, and yes, it's, it's exciting times. I think that as hard as this whole thing's been and as disappointed as I am, I lost the business and sort of grieving the loss of that. Uh, you've got to look at the opportunities that are now presented to us. And when this does settle down and whatever the new normal might look like, there will be opportunities for everyone. And uh, I think us in the sports industry and, and us, the people that, that want to help people be more active and get people fitter are, are, are very well positioned. We might not know what it looks like right now, but I think there's, there's definite possibilities and opportunities for us coming out of this. Yeah, 100%. I just, I don't think the uh, the landscape of what we're doing has changed. If anything, like you said, I think it's been bolstered 100%. I mean, it's just, I, what I found is just well, exactly the same as you is, is that the, the dynamic of how it's done now is going to be different. The, la- the, the landscape, how it's going to be done is going to be different. So obviously we've got two central um, gyms. Now, all of our, like the, the gyms that are really prospering are, are the ones in more residential areas. Yeah. which is you know something that we never looked at before but you know the opportunities are now there to look and you're absolutely right i mean it's just it's having that and that's something i sort of encourage anyone to do in this time kind of you come you kind of come like a bit of a therapist to your members and in, in this in the gym space at the moment um with everything that's going on is i'm encouraging members to kind of like look at the opportunities that have like you said presented themselves so so true um something that i find interesting there and it's something that i've been thinking about a lot and is your the the new dynamics of how um organizations will operate so like you said a bit more flexible some working from home i've thought about this a lot and and about how building a team culture that's a challenge that i think we will be presented with in the long term i think it's okay now because it's only been three or four months and a lot of situations that the the team dynamics are going to be very similar because there's people that they've known before obviously with furlough coming up and uh, furlough potentially coming to an end in october and you know potential redundancies and you know in the future when they bring new staff members on and new teams are being created do you think there's going to be a difficulty there where not having that human interaction could present issues? Uh, I think there's going to be an element of finding a balance, isn't there? I think, yeah. and I think what we've seen in the industry with, with some of these big tech companies coming to the market with uh, indoor trainers and, and video training and, and remote training, virtual training, whatever you want to call it, uh, that's jumped forward, hasn't it? Two or three years, I'd say, on, on where it would have been without the pandemic being in the equation. But I think bringing people together is, is for me, the most important and the most powerful thing. And there will always be a space for a virtual side of what we do, but you'll never beat a group of people coming together and and just kind of working out and sweating and uh, and there's a lot of sports and, and gyms where you can still operate socially distanced if that's how it has to be for the future but I don't know I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of the, the virtual stuff I have to be very honest mm-hmm. I, I've never been one for turbo training I've never been one for for sort of training indoors outside of strength and conditioning Uh, there's a big wide world out there there's we live in a a beautiful country and i'd like to see as much of it as possible Mm. Uh, so sat behind the screen riding on pretend roads when i could be out riding the real things doesn't appeal to me at all but i get how it's been amazingly powerful over this this period i just don't think it's sustainable i i I don't think totally agree i totally agree i think at the 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 the, at the heart of 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 what being active represents i think it's that 
that real connection and what I like I yeah. mean like you know out in the open road like you say or being around people in the nitty-gritty of it I just I can't see I think and also as humans we're social mammals right you know we're accustomed biologically to to like nature and I just I just can't see it yeah you you ask it. you ask people one of the hardest things about this whole pandemic period it's been not being able to hug their friends and family yeah I mean, we're, we're by nature, like you said, we're, we're, we're huggers, we're touchers, we're feelers, we're, and you just don't get that through a video screen, especially if it's through a, a computer program. Mm. And yeah, you can wave at someone virtually and you can write yeah. them a message, but reading some, and for me as a coach, reading someone's body language when you're there and, and seeing the expressions on their face and seeing them hurt and seeing how much they want something or that that's that's special and that you, you bond with people as a coach and you build very very personal and very very intimate relationships and uh that's the buzz that i get out of training it's or, or coaching specifically it's that real connection with someone so if the sports industry for whatever reason stopped everyone from training together as teams and everything went online there's no way i'd be a coach anymore yeah totally agree yeah i mean i'd be i'd be done some virtual stuff with the gym and I, like you just said i i grew pretty um i mean it's got a place like you said but i i grew pretty bored of it pretty fast because yeah. I, I, i'm just i'm an individual that like you, you kind of you react and you, and you get that you get your own stimulus off of off of like you said the human interaction and sort of being around people and seeing the facial expressions and seeing how they react to certain things and pushing them on a face-to-face basis. And yeah, yeah. I, if I had to move everything online, I mean, it's not what I got into the game for. So I'm hoping it comes full circle um, quicker, quicker than we think. I think um, it will. I think it will. I hope so. I just want to touch a little bit on your, your professional triathlete career. Um, obviously you represented GB and, and, and England. Talk us through um, what that was like competing at sort of the highest level and, you know, some, you know, obviously the challenges, but, you know, talk, just, just talk us through the dynamic of what it was like to be a professional triath- uh, triathlete. It was, uh, so it was, when would this have been the late nineties that I kind of was, sure. was racing and training full time. And it was a good time because it was a real kind of, it was the early days of the sport. And mm. the, I think the, the coaching and the coaching processes were all still evolving. Uh, we were probably pushed a little bit too hard too early. If you look back in hindsight now, and there's a lot of lads who were in some cases much more talented than I was uh, that got injured and, and were just pushed too hard too early and paid the price for it, unfortunately. But it was, it was amazing. I mean, as a, as a youngster to be able to sort of travel and go on training camps and uh, the camaraderie that you had at that time where, there was kind of 10, 12, 15 of us that were considered kind of the, the GB team that went on these camps. It was, it was amazing. It was, it was a, you, you grew up fast because you were, I was training three times a day. So a normal day, I, I wasn't one of the athletes that went to university. Sure. So I decided to stay at home with my parents and build my own kind of structure around training. So I'd be up every morning in the water at five. I would do a, five six seven eight k swim session in the morning then it'd be home eat sleep middle session of the day home eat sleep and then train again in the evening and uh i did that uh, on top of traveling around the country and racing most weekends wherever i could whether it be a running race a cycling race or a or a triathlon event and uh it was a lifestyle and, and i think i've i've that triathlon training mindset has carried on when you're training for three sessions a day, it's, uh, it's about time management. It's about making sure the recovery is there, making sure that you're, you're focusing on being as good as you can at each session. And when you're doing two or three sessions a day, that's, that's, that's difficult. And as a youngster, when you're full of beans, plus you're trying to have a social life and get out and do everything. It's so it was good. I got to see some amazing parts of the world and, uh, got to race against some people that have gone on to do amazing things and win world championships and go to Olympic games. Wow. So 
yeah, I think I think being a triathlete made me in terms of work ethic, in terms of drive, in terms of uh, time management, in, in, in terms of so many things. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity and I'm very grateful that my parents allowed me that opportunity because I wasn't working. I had an amazing few sponsors. I went out and got my own sponsorship to sort of bolster the lottery funding that we were getting at the time. I, I, I think I made the most of the opportunity that I was given. Mm. And, uh, and I, I can look back and think uh, I, I don't have any regrets from it, which, like we said right at the beginning, was a, was a big thing for me. Sure. Would you say that some of your hardest physical challenges were, were in those triathlete days or would you say the cycling or would you even say some of the challenges that you've done since? And if so, you know, what, what has the hardest sort of physical challenge you've put yourself through been to date? It might be to this date. weekend, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think from a sports point of view, the hardest thing I've ever done was probably when I decided to move to Italy and pursue cycling. Uh, it was a it was a big move for me to just sort of drop everything in the UK and, and move. And it was an opportunity that I was presented with. I didn't want to look at anything as a regret. So I, I, I took a gamble. I moved to Italy. I spent a couple of years there and I, I loved it. It was it was amazing. But training as a cyclist was the hardest physical thing I've ever done and it I can't choose one particular event or one particular session but it was just a slog I mean it, I get I asked the question a lot and by, by all means sort of answer it if you want to but out of every sport that exists in the world who would you say is the most all-round athlete like what 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 sports person would you think is is the most all round individual or just as a sport in general in terms in as, of as a sport in general just as it's quite a good question that i ask groups sometimes because everyone's got an opinion and uh yeah i don't know i would say stuff like i think i've actually spoken about this before um something like a, like a gymnast or even nowadays like a crossfitter like a like a the crossfit that that to me sort of stands out but then then again i have been around like cyclists like very to high end cyclists and it, it's that is ex it's extremely challenging like i i don't know i think each sport has their own challenges and do you know what like you said everyone's got their, their yeah. own view in it i don't think there's a specific answer um, of, the, of the sports that i've done for me cycling was the hardest yeah and uh, I think it was, it was this, for, for me, the, the reason that I found it hard was I, I came from kind of an endurance event and triathlon was all about obviously at speed, but maintaining speed over a period of time. Whereas cycling's very different in the way that you're doing it for a long period of time. So it's very much an endurance based sport, but you spend so long Mm. at threshold above threshold trying so to recover like marathon, it's like a marathon and a sprint <laughs> yeah completely you've got little sprints built into a marathon and yeah. it's training for that coming from triathlon was 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 really hard and uh and i loved it and uh yeah that that's so for me that's probably the, the hardest thing i ever did was was making the move from triathlon to cycling and you're also, you're, you're also playing with the, the, the elements, right, as well? Wind, rain. Yeah, mountains. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, my God. Oh, my God. That must have been absolutely. I mean, the level also, the people you were training with, that must have, what was that like, training with these? Do they, do they spur you on the people around you? I mean, I'm always a big believer that, you know, the people around you in your environment kind of, they, they help strengthen you. Yeah, it was, it was weird. On the cycling team, it was... You're obviously a team, so you've got the team element and you've got the camaraderie element, but you're also competing against one another at, at, in training. So it, it's quite a unique dynamic from that point of view. You each had your role within the team, but then certain training sessions were there was a competitive element and within a team, you never want to be the worst, right? Sure, so of you've always got 
it's kind of that driving factor. Whereas as a triathlete, it was very much an individual sport and all of the training that you did benefited you. And that was, mm. that was it. The harder you work, the better you got, which was the same in cycling, but you always had this kind of underlining team dynamic as well. Mm. So you had to be good at a particular part to, to fulfill your role within the team. And, uh, yeah, I, I loved, I mean, cycling's cycling. I mean, I know it's been through some hard times and, and whatever, but, mm. uh, cycling i love watching cycling i love riding my bike i've found a new love for riding my bike doing this challenge over the last few weeks and uh seeing cycling get the praise and everything that it's getting at the moment and the hype that it's getting around improving people's fitness and getting people outside is amazing and it's been a long time coming i'm just thinking hope i hope for you that you're going to get some decent weather this weekend mate <laughs> yeah uh, yeah mate, I, I, I'm looking at I'm looking at outside now and it's, it's absolutely pissing down. But I mean, the, the, yeah, I think the love for cycling. I mean, it, I'm 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 somebody that definitely doesn't claim to be a, a decent cyclist, but I I've got a road bike and I come I actually come down here to cycle. I'm on the coast at the moment. It's nice. in West Sussex, and and I I don't do it for the RPMs. I I do it for you know the getting out and and being active and, and the joy that comes with cycling. You know, finding amazing routes and getting the fresh air and, and just kind of moving your body. Um, and it's low like, impact as well, right? Low impact. I always say to people, anyone got bad knees at the gym, you know, they're like, oh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not going to come into the gym today. I'm just going to go on a run. I'm like, don't go for a fucking run. Go for, <laughs> get, get, get out on a bike, take the impact off your knees. And I, I think it's, the, I think that actually all as, as my mates have all got older, they've all got road bikes now. And it's something that they, they really just enjoy to do and get out on. But my God, I can imagine if you're doing it at a high level, it's a different kettle of fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In terms of still enjoyable, but just, just the challenging nature of it, I can just only imagine. Yeah. Um, something that interests me, and we kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, I mean, what's some of the major sort of skills and lessons that you've learned from being a professional athlete that really rolled over into how you, you've approached your, your business career? Uh, you, you kind of touched on the sort of the discipline and the structure it's given you and sort of the time management and um, what other kind of things that you do you think it's taught you, uh, you know, operating at the highest level in, 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 in your, if, in your athletic career? It's uh, a good one. I mean, outside of the things that I've already mentioned, I think the, the one thing that, that being an athlete, for, for me as an athlete, so where uh, I was in two sports that were very underfunded at the time and I went out and found my own sponsorship and then was fortunate enough to find sponsorship. But it was that, I suppose, it kind of gave me a, an in, introduction to, to being a business. I mean, I was the business. I had sure. to sell myself. And even if I didn't have the the results maybe at the time I still had to sell myself to keep the sponsors happy to do that. And, and that required me stepping out of a comfort zone. I, I will hold my hands up and say, I've, I've never been one for being in front of a crowd in front of an audience, which is a bit of a joke now, considering that I've found a love for coaching, which is standing in front of people and, and telling yeah. them what to do and, uh, and instructing yeah. them. But I was never that way inclined. So for me, and again, it's paved my whole life ahead of me, but I was never that person. I've never been uh, kind of an, an extrovert. I've never been uh, someone that would have ever seen myself standing in front of a crowd. But I had to be in front of a crowd, whether it be competing as an athlete or whether it be selling myself to, to mm. sponsors. And uh, that that was really useful. I think that was... There's also the element as well, I think, when when you get to a certain level in sport, you have younger people that aspire to, to be you, and you mm. take this kind of mentoring, leader-type role within that space, and that has massive crossovers in, in business. Uh, treat people as you want to be treated yourself. I think that's, that's kind of something that a lot of people might think yeah. they do or, or like to think they do, but don't. And... Uh, yeah, all, all of that. I think the camaraderie that you get with being an athlete, all of that crosses over into working as a team and leading a team and being part of a team within a company. 
so I think I think that there's there's so many things that can cross over and that have crossed over for me and I think my life massively took a change of direction when I decided to go into triathlon as a kind of a full-time thing and like I've said it's it's literally paved everything I've done since and it's still doing it now I mean it's 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 literally dictated sort of every turn and I've I've looked and thought about escaping from it but I've not managed to yet <laughs> it keeps keeps it's bringing part, me back in it's part of you though that's that's why yeah, yeah. so yeah so it's hard to pinpoint any more than kind of the obvious really that I've already stated it's uh no I, th- I, I think it's um I think it's fascinating in all honesty. I think I find it really, really fascinating. There's uh, so obviously when I was starting to do my research um, on, your, on yourself, the, the, when you go to your website, the first thing that comes up is a picture of you and it says no shortcuts, bam, straight across the middle of the, the, the website. And that obviously, apart from it being the first thing I saw, it, it really stood out to me. Um, and it's kind of, would you say that's almost like your mantra as a, as a person? Yeah, massively. It's uh I've, I've, I've always been, I would never have classed myself as the most kind of naturally gifted person at anything. Mm. And there are no shortcuts in anything. I mean, you, you, I'm also someone that I'm constantly moving the goalposts. (laughs) And, and when you're constantly moving the goalposts, uh, you remove any potential shortcuts anyway, don't you? It's, it's yeah. uh yeah I, I just think you you can't i mean e- even if you're not good at something the, the just that kind of mentality to keep working to be better you mm. might never be the best but to always be better to constantly better yourself everything takes constant work you should never ever sit back and just think right i'm done i'm i'm happy here mm. what, what i don't my mind doesn't allow me to think like that and that's what i try and encourage in everyone else why, why should you be happy where you're at when there is the potential to be better? And there's no shortcut to that. There's no quick fix. There's no, and it, that runs from everything from your work life to trying to lose weight on a diet to trying to be a better athlete. It's across everything. Uh, you put the work in and eventually you'll be rewarded. Totally. I mean, it's, it's so and that's why it stood out to me so much because I think there is just no way around it there is no way around it like if you want to be a success or you want to get to a place in a specific part of your life like uh, there is some point where you are going to have to put it in yeah. it's just like it is it's absolutely inevitable like it is and you know it's funny it's like I look at my social crowd and I, and I, you know, I love all my friends to pieces, but it's, it's the ones that have continued to look for that shortcut that have looked to, 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 to move away from, they move to the path of least resistance. They're constantly looking for that route that yeah. have fallen, that have fallen behind and, and haven't achieved what they are capable of, but also what they have wanted to. And I just, if, if, and, and, it's, and you see it most often, you like, well, for me, my life is within obviously the gym space. It's, it's, it's such a satisfying thing for me when I'm, when I'm able to get through to somebody and be like, you know, you're, you're going to have to put in the work and it will be so rewarding once you've got through that wall of what's on the other side. Yeah. Um, and, and how by reaching that, not the top of the mountain, because I don't, I mean, getting through to that stage where you start to see the reward and that is such a powerful thing and once again it's sort of like and it's been a major theme of this what we spoke about today but that the power of you know being an active lifestyle and, and what it can teach you and and just powering through and and, and uh, getting up from those moments when you hit the canvas and and, and getting to that place where you, you start to see that reward yeah kind and of Sorry, go. No, no, it, just what you were saying there. But with, for some people, it's just about, and this, I suppose this is where we come in as coaches, it's giving people realistic and achievable goals mm. so that they're constantly motivated to keep pushing forward. Mm. And I think that's going back to what we were talking about earlier. 
that's the thing. They're the things that you can do, the little things that you can do on a one-to-one basis that you can't do remotely. Yeah. And that, that's, that's what for me is, is special. It's about seeing people that can't can. Mm. And, mm. and, and that's one of the reasons why, I mean, I've, I've started working for this company called strategic awareness and, and their whole thing is about helping people that, want to do something giving them the tools to achieve it and and it's enabled me again all of the stuff i've learned as an athlete as a, as a sports coach to take it into a an, another space another arena and uh, mm-hmm. hopefully use the stuff that i've learned running my own business as well as coaching other people and putting it into a an even more corporate environment than i was before mm. and uh I, I find it rewarding don't you it's, it's coaching oh, it's, coaching's an amazing rewarding thing to do yeah i mean that's one of the reasons i love this podcast is, is because you know i get to be put in touch with people like yourself who've, who've had this life experience and i get to learn myself i mean i am a coach to a degree but you know i'm still i'm still heavily learning a hell of a lot about um you know human nature and you know loads loads of things but i want to say just uh, just before we start to sort of wrap this up how appreciative i am of, of you sort of taking time out and, and coming on and talking to us about your experience and, and, and what you've learned across the across the way um before i always ask the last two questions on on the podcast firstly where you know where can people follow you um and contact you if, if they need to um obviously we're you're in the middle of this this fundraiser i'm gonna get this podcast out uh probably tomorrow uh afternoon so if okay. people wanted to donate how can they do that uh i've got i've got a website which is just johnbrame.com which is kind of an online cv uh but i'm on instagram as johnbrame80 and uh facebook i suppose just as as me search me but uh the just giving link is on all of those platforms so i'll put it in the show notes as well yeah, that would be amazing if, if people can donate. I mean, I've raised, originally I wanted to raise £3,100, which was £100 for every 100 kilometres. And uh, as of this weekend just gone, I tipped through £15,000 raised so Huge. far. Wow. And if I can keep driving that up over this weekend, and if this podcast can help do that, that would be absolutely amazing. It's, uh, it's hard times for all charities and... Uh, mm pancreatic cancer took a big hit when they lost the ride 100 happening mm. so it's yeah any helps amazing help so yeah I appreciate appreciate the plug anytime anytime and the last the last question which i you know, ask absolutely everyone who comes on the show um if you if you had sort of one i'm sure we've maybe touched on it because we touched on so many things today uh but if you know if you have one life lesson uh that you could pass on to the listener base you know what would that be something that's really struck home with you over over your life uh i suppose what we were just talking about if i'm honest which is why mm. it's on the home page of my website is this there's no shortcuts and mm. like you highlighted very well sometimes trying to look for the shortcut all the time will end up holding you back so Sometimes you ch- you choose the choose your goal, choose your destination, and uh, just try and knock down all the obstacles that are in your way, but keep pushing towards that that one goal. And uh, eventually you'll get there if you're stubborn enough and your work ethic's good enough. You'll get there. It might take you longer than you wanted, but it's uh, stay focused. Beautiful. Thank you so much, John. I really really appreciate that. Um... It's, it's, it's good timing this uh, this podcast with everything that's going on and I think people really will get, get a lot out of it so I just want to say thanks once again for taking time out no problem thank you thank you, thank you. Thank you.